0: Hello, everybody. This is Tom Yorton with the Curious Conscious Capitalist Podcast. Uh, Welcome again. I am thrilled today. I'm uh, being joined by a fellow Badger, a fellow Wisconsinite, uh, Nancy Pouch. Uh, Nancy is president of Envision IT, LLC, and that's headquartered in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, And uh, in addition to her her work at Envision, uh, Nancy is is a... true business leader in the community. She serves on a couple of different advisory boards. She's on the advisory board of the Conscious Capitalism Chicago uh, operation, uh, which I know near and dear. And in addition to that, she is a board member of the Breast Cancer Recovery Group. Uh, I presume that's in, in Wisconsin.
1: It is. It's it's uh, it's based out of Wisconsin. Yeah.
0: So Nancy, thanks for joining and thanks for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me. It's, yeah. it's a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, We got rained, no one would know this, but we got absolutely doused today. And uh, uh, here we are, we're shaking it off and uh, shaking out my white hair. Um, But we're both badgers, as I said. Uh, We both, uh, one of the things that's really interesting, uh, uh, Nancy is a a Swiss army knife in some way. uh, She majored in three different, uh, like a a triple major. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Oh, well, uh, Swiss army, uh, bless you. Um, Yeah, just in my undergraduate career, I had three majors and yeah, did it kind of quickly three years. It was a little bit nutty, a little what bit nutty. They? So
0: you, we, we both took oh. French, right? <laughs> but you did it proficiently, whereas I did yeah, not.
1: We did. Um, uh, yes, my undergraduate majors were uh, French, poli sci and international relations. And I went on to grad school with um, international relations, international political economy to be specific. But yeah. yeah do you? So. Remember,
0: I, I can't remember because I'm old as dirt, but uh, do you remember? I'm with you.
1: <laughs> I'm an old dog in this industry too. Worcester.
0: Do you remember the name of the building where they did most of the French classes up there?
1: Oh, Van Nuys. I- no, Van Black. Uh, no, Van Ey's Van Ey's. So Fair Van, nice, yeah, Van so was the math Ugh,
0: building. All I remember <laughs> about my the, the thing that I remember most fondly about my French experience at Wisconsin is we took a final and it was a snowstorm there and um, we buried a twelve pack in the bushes out front <laughs> in the snowbank before I went in. I, I took, drank about half of it before I went in and then finished it off after the final. So. <laughs> That was my experience oh, with the French language.
1: I wish I would have. Uh, I wish I would have dipped a toe into that experience a little bit more in my undergraduate <laughs> career. I would have had a lot more fun. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, life so. is
0: long. There's always time.
1: Exactly. Well, I'm trying to make up for it now. Right. So <laughs> there you go.
0: So uh, we wanted you here because your company is doing some fascinating things in this space, and uh, so really uh, uh, wholehearted endorsement and embracing of conscious capitalism ideas. And if you would, just for our listeners, just set a little context, tell a little bit about what you're doing um, uh, with Envision LLC, a little bit about the company, uh, and then we'll just launch in from there.
1: Sure, so, so when people ask us who we are, we're really a group of talented and compassionate people growing a soulful company. We also happen to be technology consultants mm-hmm. um, focused on optimization, and primarily optimization around the infrastructure. So that might be you know, Microsoft platforms, kind of the ne- central nervous system of, of a corporate network. So it might be the Microsoft infrastructure, it might be the network, it might be virtualization um, technologies like Citrix. Um, <clears throat> Uh, but we really take an approach from the technology perspective, from the end user's perspective. We start at the end user experience mm. to really um, try to make sure that technology is an enabler to that end user to do their job productively and not an obstacle.
0: That's interesting, too. Because, uh, you know, I think the challenge in many businesses, maybe every business, is to make sure that you don't lose the humanity and authenticity, that we get caught up so much in whatever product we're selling or whatever feature set we're talking about or whatever the particular jargon is that we forget that we're all people trying to help each other get on down the road. And, you know, when we we, we did a little prep call uh, just to get to know each other prior to this, and, you know, Nancy had an interesting uh, phrase that their company often, you know, in that field gets caught in the VAR box and how Envision's actually a different kind of organization. Than that. Talk, talk a little bit about that. What is a VAR, how, you know? and how are you guys different than everybody else?
1: Yeah, well, that's a loaded question um, because we're we're very much different, we're an anomaly, but we're in that value-added reseller box um, often because, frankly, people don't know where to put us. Um, because of the the um, optimization that we focus on and it really being in the infrastructure, I think they oftentimes put us in that, that value-added reseller box or the reseller box um, <clears throat> where we don't focus on product or selling product by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, we focus on the end user experience and then optimize really from that Back to the data center, where many stereotypical Vars kind of start in the data center, start with the data and the blinking lights, and want to sell big product back there that may or may not, you know, impact the end user at any point. And we always say it's about the people. So, our um, because you know, yes, it's business, but most people's business has a people component, um, and hopefully that people component is recognized as valuable. We certainly see it as incredibly valuable. So we say why don't we make sure that the end user experiences productive so again that that technology is doing its job and being an enabler mm-hmm. and hopefully that'll help you know the end users or your employees be more productive and happy. Enjoy work. I mean, we work so much. Why don't we try to have that experience be as enjoyable and pleasurable as possible? I mean, if you think about it, people are working at least 40 hours a week. You Absolutely. don't want that to be miserable. Um, and when we when we can do that, hopefully that helps employee engagement. And that really gets more to our mission. Our purpose is to. You know, make the world a little bit better, and we look at the stakeholder view of conscious capitalism. Um, and so, if we can help people's work life be better, we're do you know we're contributing, mm-hmm. um, helping people feel productive. You know, it's interesting. People in life just want to be seen, heard, and know that they matter. And work life isn't different. People want to be productive and recognized for it. But getting back to your question of kind of how we're a little bit different from the stereotypical var. Yeah, yeah. You Into you that. Well, so. And you had asked me a little bit earlier in our prep call about, um, you know, kind of the business of it. Um, Because sometimes conscious capitalism can seem fluffy and, you know, unicorns, rainbows and daffodils. (laughs) I think people not in the movement, you know, that aren't involved in it, kind of think of it that way from the outside. That might be in the brass tacks of, you know, of of business. Mm -hmm. Um, And so operationally... um, where we're a little bit different again from a stereotypical VAR that also feeds into our conscious capitalism roots, um, or foundation, I should say, is you know stereotypical VAR. Much of their business is comprised of selling product. The vast majority of it is selling product, and then okay. maybe a small sliver of it is professional services. And that's typically aligned with implementing the product, right? So sell the product, implement it, move on. Sell the product, implement and move on, mm-hmm. and um, uh, to sell more product, so you have more implementation. Right. Um, And what's interesting is when you look at the profit margin mix of those two, profit margin on reselling product is quite small. Um, Profit margin on professional services um, or consulting is quite a bit bigger. Mm -hmm. So... A stereotypical VAR, um, and I, I want to say that as respectfully as possible because it's just a different business model and it, it came naturally through the technology industry. And of is an important you know, it's an important role. Um, it's just things are changing and we look at things a little bit differently at envision. But anyway, with the profit margin being more on professional services or consulting, you know, naturally people Stereotypically, in business, want to maximize their profits. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate when that's the only motivation mm-hmm. or the primary motivation, with everything being very far second. But with that in mind, um, maximizing profits, knowing that's in your prefer- professional services, a lot of times the consultants are driven hard. They're mm-hmm. driven very hard, and at the d- detriment, in so many ways, to the business and the person. Mm-hmm. If you know, if so, when they're driven hard, that means oftentimes they're asked to do. A lot of utilization, right? A lot of billing. You mm-hmm. know, get out and billing, 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 billing. Because again, that's the high profit business. Gotcha. So, to the detriment of, of the business, so if they're constantly billing, you know, over 100% utilization rates or at close to 100%, um, or just a lot of time anyway. You know, as a person, what does that do to that consultant, that person? Because if we're thinking about people in the human, you know, the human component, you know, do they have a a life outside of work? Mm -hmm. Um, Do they have a family? Do they have hobbies? Do they have any enrichment outside of work, right? Do they have any time for for professional development? Mm -hmm. Um, So it
0: sounds like you're taking a longer view because, you know, over the near term, you can probably... uh, go to the whip, if you will, and push yeah. people really hard right. and maybe get some short-term pop, but that's not a sustainable strategy.
1: Well, it's not. And, and if you think about it, you know, it so it, it, it doesn't help the individual person, right? It doesn't give them a quality of life, right? It doesn't help the quality of product, meaning professional service because does that person have um, the training? You know, do they have time for professional development? Probably mm-hmm. not. Are they... Um, uh, available for questions for the, for the customer afterwards? No, they're probably a ghost onto their next project, right? Mm-hmm. Are they doing documentation? Mm, that's probably the last thing because they're onto their next project. Um, and then sometimes there'll be bonus pr- structures put in place to drive utilization, to drive the behavior. So if you have an, an individual goal, if you're gold, if you're a consul- consultant with an individual utilization goal, you're going to do everything to try to hit that goal, right? And again, driven by money and how does that help anything? An individual then, they might be going after projects that maybe they're not skilled with just to get the billable time, right? They might be stretching. They might be saying to the salespeople, hey, salespeople, you're not giving me enough projects. So that's infighting there. Um, So that's not necessarily healthy. And then, you know, so that's that's it. So blame look, game, right? So Internally. kind of looking
0: at the whole person, I guess they benefit because there's a little bit more balance and a little bit more opportunity for them to grow as professionals and to have, um, uh, I guess, downtime to reengage and recuperate and and, and build strength, you know, for where they want to go. But also, I imagine the, the customers benefit as well. So it, it's not just, you're not just doing it to be nice. There's, there's a, there's a benefit
1: to doing this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a little long winded on your question about kind of the stare. I'm focusing on the stereotypical, cause there's also be just to get back to that, just how they incentivize people to drive utilization because of the business model that they have, um, just aren't healthy things for the person, sure. the quality of the work, right. And, or the, the, um, the culture within the company or the team spirit, right? And don't even get me started on team goals in that environment, cause that, that doesn't go well either often to those purposes. So how we're different is, you know, our mix of business is different. We're really about optimization. We're not focused on product resale. Mm-hmm. So we're more, our business is certainly more professional services and consulting versus product resales. It's almost the inverse really. Okay. And so our team, really what we focus on is, is um, you know, certainly, we can have much lower utilization rates or much lower billing um, requests of our consultants, right? Mm-hmm. So much lower than the stereotypical than than the industry. Mm-hmm. again, because we're not necessarily a VAR even though we're put in that box. Gotcha. Um, okay., uh, so much lower requests of our people as far as utilization. So what do they do? And the the folks that we have the privilege of employing and calling family um, are naturally curious. So and they care about helping people. They really want to do their job so they can help our clients um achieve their goals what are they trying to do and and that's what really gets them going they don't need to be the hero they don't need to be the the guy or the gal that saved the day would they're happy when they've helped someone else so they're naturally curious so they do their own professional development they want time to do that and with you know our business model they have the time to do that they have time for family we do so many things in the community as far as enrichment in the community as far as you know, supporting the community, nonprofit work, charitable work, um, all of that, they can do that as, as as well if they want. Certainly that's not forced upon anybody. Got it. Um, but it's just a different business model, different way of looking at it. You know, again, from the end user perspective, optimizing back from there, professional services really being most of our business. Mm-hmm. Um and so we don't have to drive hard for that utilization and hopefully enrich their lives.
0: That's great. You know, I I, I so if that's where you are and if that's kind of where the the industry is, what prompted this journey? What prompted you, your organization to embrace these ideas? What Was there a trigger point? Was it, was that a handful of you as leaders who were saying, Hey, we want more out of our careers. We want, we want to have a different, f- what, what prompted the movement in this direction?
1: You know, it's so funny how sometimes the universe or whatever you believe fate mm-hmm. kind of comes in sometimes and knocks you upside the head. Right. Um, uh, well, so probably I guess seven, eight years ago, my journey started. Um, I was, um, you know, different life, right? In that in that hard-driving technology um, industry, and um, uh, kind of had my wake-up call. And luckily, it wasn't um, uh, anything tragic or anything like that. It was just one day I happened to be listening, mm-hmm. and um, I I was leading a very successful team, and uh, in my in my Mode of, of who I am as a person, which people-pleasing, perfectionist, hard-driving, uh, tr- you know, type A cubed, right? <laughs> um, uh, and one day, and back then, I never asked for help, but I was discussing a, a problem with someone, and someone said, this other friend of mine said, just listen to your gut. I thought, well, what the hell is my gut? I have mm-hmm. no idea. So back then, of course, I thought, well, if I find out what this thing gut is and, and learn about it, I can fix it. Right? Problem, false, fix. And, you know, sharp-elbowed industry, right? That's kind of how you did it. You just drove through and suck it up but a cup, figure it out, and move forward, <laughs> dredge on through, right? And then, you know, when you're a people pleaser and you're hitting numbers and your team is hitting numbers, everybody's happy, right? So it just feeds that, right? But anyway, that day I woke up and I, I said, well, okay, let me, let me look at this gut thing and looked up intuition and then... Um, and it was interesting because I didn't realize really how unhappy I was. You know, I had the title Schmeidel I had, mm-hmm. um, uh, I guess what society says is success, right? right? Uh, but I realized I really wasn't that happy and so on a search for intuition, it really led into more of a personal growth journey. Hmm. Um, and then... Uh, the company I was with was acquired, and after a couple of years of working in that environment, I realized it just wasn't really a match for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a favor for for a friend, um, a colleague and a friend, and um, met this gentleman named Bo Smithback, who was the CEO, the founder of Envision. Young guy, smart guy, kind man, um, and just really learned a little bit more about what he was doing with Envision, mm-hmm. and. Um, it really intrigued me. This young company, smart person, building um, a really great organization. And um, about a year earlier than meeting him, I had another friend had given me the book, Firms of Endearment, by um, uh, Rosh Asodia and, and a couple other very smart gentlemen. And um, that changed my life because that kind of said to me, hey, you know what, Nancy, you can combine your personal growth journey with this business. I mean, for a while I was thinking, oh my gosh, I got to quit this industry, this sharp elbow, tough technology industry and and go be, you know, a life coach or something mm-hmm. to which my husband, God bless him, said, uh, please no, don't do uh, that. please <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> um, and and so really that book helped me, you know, pick up my head too and say, hey, wait a minute, maybe we can actually do good in the world, and be good, and be profitable um, in industry. So, huh. And so a year later, again, going forward, rewound a little bit to go forward, um, I met Bo Smith back. And it's funny, again, how Bo and I met, we were both doing favors for other people. So sometimes when you, you know, you're doing the right thing.
0: works that way sometimes, it, Yeah, that's why
1: I'm mentioning the, the universe, kind of whatever you believe, you know, kind of interjects itself. Anyway, I had given, then I gave, um, Bo the book, firms of endearment, and he's and I said, this is what I'd like to build. He said, oh my gosh, that's what I want my company to be, Um, and uh, so I joined Bo at Envision, and and then another friend joined us, um, Bill Crane, who's my brother from another mother, and the three of us um, uh, now, almost four years ago, uh, I should say, you know, late 2013, got together and really kind of realigned things at the company um, and. Established the grounds of conscious capitalism, and and we're on our journey to become a firm of endearment.
0: Wow, it's a it's and you guys are really you know putting your money where your mouth is. I, um, you have this in time. I've been fortunate to meet uh, other business runners who are doing similar things with their business. And one of the hallmarks of these kinds of organizations, at least to me, as an outsider looking in, is the language you use. You go to their website, and and the language and the words and the vocabulary <laughs> is just. Fundamentally different than what you see on a typical site. Mm. So on Envision site, you know, you you see words like in dear, in family and community, in heart, in friendship, and blessing, and uh, uh psycho psychosocial investment. Um, <laughs> now we had a good laugh at this before because I've been around some people who were psychos in business, but there was less concern <laughs> about too. psychosocial yeah. investment. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, it, it's not. Um, you guys aren't. A closet conscious capitalist company you mm-hmm. guys are putting it out there you're talking openly about these ideas for all to hear for your employees for all the stakeholders for your customers and it seems like it's a full-throated embrace of these ideas
1: Well. It is, and I and and I guess you'd say again in our industry, and I love our industry. Let's be clear, but it's such an anomaly, right? And we are walking the walk. And thank you for for noticing that. And you know, folks that um, again we have the privilege of calling family and employees. Um, uh, that's part of the reason they join us. We have a beautiful hiring pipeline, mm-hmm. um, just because like we're trying to do with our clients, and that is enrich their lives and, and, and engage employees, we really try to endear our employees. So, you know, we had talked about kind of the business sides of it and how we, um, can be very competitive and we've grown, I don't know, over a thousand percent, um, uh, That'll in work. the last four years. Yeah, That'll work. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and way more profitable. Um, but by doing the right thing, you know, we're, we're we're making money doing good, and then we're doing good with it. So when I say that, you know, our we're profit profit is certainly one of our metrics, right? It has to be mm-hmm. because in order to continue to invest in um, in the quality of experience, and I should mention that, you know, we believe in the age of transcendence, right? So the 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 experience is more important than the stuff. And you look Mm -hmm. at our business model, not being a big product reseller and being more professional services. We're more focused on the experience, right? Not the stuff. So that's true for our employees too. Mm -hmm. So certainly everyone is comfortable with regards to their compensation. Mm -hmm. Um, But then we also look for ways to enrich their lives. So, um, you know, we notice and and not checking a box that, oh, look at us, you know, aren't we great? No, but we really look at our employees and their lives and what matters to them and then invest there. So what our profits really go into investing in our employee experience but then also how can we make the experience better in working with our clients Mm. so I mentioned earlier you know lower utilization rates mean we can spend you know our consultants in the field can spend more time with documentation they can spend more time answering customers questions Mm. we invest in a lot of internal debriefs that are non-billable, internal handoffs. So, you know, sometimes with other folks, when you get to the client, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. Well, hopefully, you know, and sometimes that happens, but hopefully a little bit less with us. Right. Um, But then with our employees' lives, I had mentioned, you know, um, the investment in them too. We... um, look at that like i said how are they living what's important what matters to them and you know we said we have a lot of our employees these days are are expanding their families and having children so we see the college funds for new babies um wait wait say that again we see the college funds we start college funds for all the babies born into our company um well and then you know for those that aren't having children at least not right now or never or what have you everyone in our company has a pet Everyone and most people have multiple pets. Now we subsidize pet insurance, um, we and all sorts of things that when we look at the individuals um, and what's important to them, how can we make their lives better and just enrich them? And so there's a lot of little things that we do that I it would get, it get gets actually drawn on, but um, um, but that's where we look at is how can we make the quality of life for. Um, our Envision family better, and then also make sure, at least to the best of our ability, that everyone understands how they're making the lives of our clients better and mm-hmm. our communities when we do work in our community. But, you know, our Envision as a Service um, Endearment Team, um, also known as Help Desk, you know, that team really clearly knows that when they're taking a help desk call, they're helping someone. And I swear they should have been caregivers or nurses in a different life because what gets them really excited is knowing that they're helping someone. They're making that other, the person on the other end of the phone or email or what have you, their life easier. They're helping them solve their problem quick.
0: I love that. When you, when you talk to me uh, when, again, a couple of days before this conversation, you use that nurse metaphor. And I hadn't thought about it that way. And it's just, it's just, not what I think of when I think of that industry, and it's certainly as I'm not in a B2B space. I'm a layperson, individual consumer who calls help desks periodically, and that's yeah. not the experience <laughs> I have. Oh. Uh, no one's caring for me uh, there, and uh, so it's it's amazing to actually hold that out there as a model and. That people are actually delivering on it and feeling fulfilled by that.
1: Well, you know, and that's just Even some of our, our network um, infrastructure or our virtualization consultants that are doing some heavy lifting too behind the scenes, um, not touching the end users as much or interacting with the end users as much. They recognize that helping people, you know, work from anywhere, anytime, any place, securely, mm-hmm. which is important to the business too, mm-hmm. right? Um, That they recognize their impact, and you know it's interesting because our clients we're privileged. um, You know we're careful about who we work with as clients, um, um, but they're all size all size customers, all size businesses. um, I should say organizations because we also do a lot of work with um, um, nonprofits and Mm, um, as a lot of a lot of private business. But um, they vary in size. They vary in industry, but it seems they all have a common thread, which is loyalty to their employees. They mm. care about their employees, genuinely care, right? And so, you know, our, our consultants kind of working behind the scenes on some more of that infrastructure get really excited when they know they're making the lives better of the employees of whatever that company is, mm. because they know, our, our team knows, and many of our customers know that engaged employees, um, they're more productive. Um, and uh, and hopefully happier. And companies with engaged employees typically uh, outperform their peers that have either disengaged employees or um, or actively disengaged or not engaged at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, they out, you know. In- Companies with engaged employees typically outperform those others by over 200%. So it's good business. It's yeah. good business to care for your employees. Well, too. Well, and I
0: think that's the, kind of the through line or the connective thread to a lot of the stuff that we've talked about is you're doing things that feel good, but you're also doing things that make your business run better and make, uh, make you better able to serve clients and customers and whatnot. And it's, it's not soft and squishy. Um, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a real pointed aspect to it that if you didn't have those results, I think it would be harder to sustain some of the, um, um, I guess, some of the behind-the-scenes things. But it's all a holistic approach to how you take care of people. And those people are sometimes on the other side of the desk as your clients, and sometimes they work for you. And if you do right by them, good
1: stuff is coming from it. Well, and that's the idea. You know, we want We love to see our clients successful. That's what we love to see, is is what are their objectives and how can we help them get there? And let's all be on the same page with those, right? But to your point, it's good business. It's just good business. Firms of Endearment, again, that book I mentioned, it's in line with Conscious Capitalism. Raj co-authored Conscious Capitalism with John Mackey, right? And then wrote Firms of Endearment, again, with some other authors. And, you know, in there they talk about and they outline, and I don't have all the metrics, but, you know, how Conscious Capitalism companies or companies following those the basic principles in some shape or form outperform the S&P 500 by a lot. Yeah. Um, a lot. So it's good business. And if we look at our business and the metrics of our growth and our increased profitability, oh, by the way, and low turnover and happy employees and successful clients, um, it it's proof in the pudding. And everybody feels good about it.
0: <laughs> and, and, and that's evident as a performance you mentioned, you know, a thousand percent growth over the that period of time. But are there are there skeptics? Are there naysayers either, you know, as prospective customers? um, Is it a qualifying, uh, is it a filter for you almost? And how about employees? Do people self-select out? Are people, are they skeptical? Is it it a too good to be true kind of thing? Or what have you observed with that?
1: Wow, that's that's a good question. Um, So let me take the first one as far as you mentioned qualify. That's a an important word in our in our business. Um, our business development teams, really, when they're talking with clients, first and foremost, you know, it's a mutual qualification. Can we do the work, right? Do we understand the objectives, our clients' objectives clearly? And can we be successful for them? Then, can we be successful with them? So, um, you know, part of that qualification is us qualifying our clients, too. Because the last thing we want to do with our envisioned consultants, our family, is put any of our Consultants into a client en- environment that might be toxic, mm. right? So, what is their culture like? What is what are our clients' cultures like? So, if our people go into work there, are they going to be surrounded by you know a, a, an enriching culture or positive culture, or at least a decent culture, mm-hmm. or you know kind of that toxic culture? And we and that's just not a match. And we're careful about that, by the way. It's not like we would ever blackball a company because right. you know leadership changes and leadership might become, you know, new leadership might come in and become conscious, you know, be conscious. Or old
0: leadership might become conscious. Exactly.
1: That's what I was going to say. Exactly. And sometimes they have their wake up call, right. Mm-hmm. And inspire a change in the culture or a different culture. So, so we, we're always open to that. Just, we want to make sure that we're doing right by our employees too, by the clients, you know, again, go back to the stakeholders, which I haven't mentioned yet, but as a founder, principal of us is, you know, the stakeholder um, perspective, which is, you know certainly our employees our family our clients our community and then our business partners right we treat our business partners on the same side of the table our clients on the same side of ta- the table it's not us and them it's us together mm-hmm. um, that sense of connectedness but then you asked about you, you asked about do well, people self select yeah e- employees self select
0: yeah do do they say yeah. you know what not for me or for whatever reason
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, does it I guess declaring a position so clearly helps qualify that, too.
1: You know, yeah, very frankly, early on, um, when uh, Bill and I joined Boat early on and we kind of put the stake in the ground and started making some big changes in late 2013, there was a lot of Mm -hmm. self-selection. There was a lot of selection, period. Um, uh, Folks just, you know, didn't want to be on that bus or couldn't. You know, effectively be on that bus either way, and there was uh, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And God bless, that's fine. No mm-hmm. one has to work in in a firm of endearment or, or you know, work at Envision. Sure. Um, and and sometimes, by the way, I, I've learned, and this is tough, but sometimes actually encouraging people to find um, a different employment opportunity can be compassionate. That was hard for me to learn. Um, I tend to hold out, um, but uh, but I'm learning now that actually letting someone go can be the most compassionate thing for both people, I right? think
0: that's true. And, and frankly, yeah. I, I, my own personal experience, I've been on both sides of that conversation. Yeah,
1: yeah, so, yeah. me too. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, and I, yeah. I think that's helpful if you have been.
1: Yeah, yeah. You
0: have a little bit more empathy for the situation. Or you,
1: Depending you on how it was handled when you were on the other end. Or, <laughs> I so. Um, but, um, but, but so now, you know, we have a nice hiring pipeline and people that, that want to work with us as an employee, as an envisioner, um, want to work there. Part of it is because is because of our business principles. Is because of how we how we um, operate and how we live and how we you know have fun, and and do good again. Do good, um, be good and do good. Um, and we always say we you know we make money doing good and then we do good with it. That's kind of that's what we make awesome work too, right? It's that's our fantastic. tagline. That's fantastic. Um, uh, but but. Um, Anyway, go on. I, yeah.
0: I, well, with the time that we have left, and I think we've just mm. have a few more minutes here uh, before we'll have to button it up. Uh, do you have any other advice or any advice to uh, business runners, could be in the same field, could be in a completely different field, if they're interested in these ideas? What what should they do to kick the tires? Where, where can they go to explore a little bit more and see if it's for them?
1: Yeah, well, of course, check out any local Conscious Capitalism chapters. Um, I would encourage... Everyone. I went to my first one last year, and it was um, so inspiring. And that was the CEO Summit with Conscious Capitalism in Austin in October. I think every year it's in Austin in October, and that's where a lot of business leaders of this of like mind go. And you hear keynotes from certainly John Mackey. They just announced that Daniel Pink will be presenting at the one this year, Mm -hmm. Um, and so many others. Arthur Brooks has been there. Um, uh, Just great business leaders that are doing that are are following these principles and and again just doing good for their employees their communities their their industry right and the world hopefully um and uh and seeing that it's it's good business business benefits so even the the toughest skeptics that are you know Really naysayers or 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 don't believe in anything of that. If they actually just look at the metrics of the businesses that are doing this mm. um, or doing any pieces of this, it's it's clear. And and you see all sorts of info stats again about um, well, look at firms of endearment and everything that's in there about how the how many companies are so many examples cited. We're certainly an example. Um, and then again, engaged employees. You look at companies with. Employees that feel the sense of purpose, understand the mission of the company, believe in it, right? That are engaged and on, you know, they're not to just, you know, punch a clock and get a paycheck, but actually work towards a shared mission. Um, they're just more successful by far, by far. So, again, anyone that's skeptic, um, look at the business. And frankly, you might get a little personal growth and, and reach down within and, and recognize the human side yeah. um, that can be and is important to business. Um, and maybe come become a little more conscious as a business leader yourself, because frankly, no company um, can follow the principles, in my opinion, of conscious capitalism, live it and breathe it. Like we you mentioned, you know, we talk about it. Well, we, we live it and breathe it. In fact, I was just interviewing someone yesterday, and that person said you know, at first, you know, a lot of people say this stuff, but you guys are actually doing it. We see it. We You're see not it.
0: Conscious washing.
1: Well, exactly. We <laughs> see it, up. and it's yeah, and it's just really nice because, you know, we're it, it, anyway. You we see it. But what I was saying is, you know, it's hard for any company to actually have that culture if it, if if you don't have conscious leadership, and I envision all of us on the executive team are invested in that we're constantly growing constantly being more and more self-aware and other aware and doing all that self-work so hopefully we can lead from and by the way that's an oh, that's an ongoing always thing but hopefully we can lead from that space so i would encourage any business leaders to just explore that because oh by the way on the per that that helps you on the per, on the personal aspect too and just helps you live a happier life
0: so well said and uh again nancy i'm really grateful that you were able to be here today and share your experiences and these ideas. I think uh, y- you speak with real passion and real conviction and you have the benefit of having superb results behind you to mm. back all this up. So congratulations to you and your team and all the fantastic work that you're doing with Envision.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.